0: All in Uncensored with Ryan and Brian.
1: All right, we're here, episode five, guys. Um, it's All in Uncensored with Ryan and Brian, and this episode is called, Are Brokers Better? Our Brokers Better? Yes, they are. Well, Today we have Sean Lee. Yes, Vice President of Business Development for Adcom Group, Inc. He is our guest today, and we are super stoked to have you here, man
0: super stoked to be here guys
1: this is is fun
2: yeah this is fun we're all cozy in here sean wanted it this way we offered to do it remote and he said no let's get intimate you've got to
0: come feel it live it yeah be it enjoy it we've got
1: you know we got to get in the dirt and grind here you know what i mean (laughs) make it another great day that's right it's another great day yeah 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 so i think uh today sean what we want to do is talk to you about a couple of things here um like first of all who you are Um, Who is Sean Lee? Um, We know that you have a background with Zillow and you've transitioned over to the wholesale side. So we wanna talk a little bit about that and why the wholesale channel. I think that's gonna be an important topic, not only for us and our buyers, but also other loan officers out there. Um, And then how people can save money by utilizing our services as brokers. And finally, maybe your thoughts on the housing and mortgage market heading into next year in 2024. So who is Sean Lee? Tell us a bit about yourself. What is the
0: flow zone? Okay. So let's see, where do I start? I was born in, in 1979. So I'm 44 years old now. So young. Uh, yeah. I'm just a baby. Just a pup. Yeah. Uh, I am someone that enjoys family. I'm somebody that, uh, values, fitness, uh, relationships, trust, Uh, I'm very active. I love the outdoors. So when you ask me what is flow zone, so that's my handle on Instagram. Um, and maybe even Twitter too. I don't know. I don't really go on there, but also, uh, TikTok, which I'm I'm going to start using more. I committed Ooh, I to you at Vibe. You did. And uh, since then, I haven't used it once, but we'll we'll revisit <laughs> that. Uh, Flow Zone, it, it comes from kayaking. I'm a whitewater kayaker and uh, love class five. Uh, was a semi pro kind of during college, after college, worked with sponsors. Um, did the whole thing traveled traveled much of the country, paddling the hardest whitewater and exploring some of the hi- hardest whitewater in in the country. Um, and my my handle used to be Big Boof. <laughs> Big boof? boof. Big Boof. Oh, we gotta hear about that. <laughs> so a boof is, as I knew it was, it's kayaking terminology, and it's it's when your boat separates from a waterfall and you land flat it makes a sound boof boof, boof. yeah okay right so yeah. a big boof would be you know you drop 20 30 feet you land flat poof, and it's one of the most incredible feelings ever if you execute it correctly which means you're flying off waterfalls that's right okay little did I know that you know there's there's a, a part of our culture that actually in drugs through a part of their body, we don't need to go into detail, but they call <laughs> that boofing. <laughs> okay so as you know this part of the culture like gets more and more onto the scene people look at me and they're like big Boof with like <laughs> yeah. and i've got a shirt you know that says "Boof," and it's like people are coming up to me thinking i'm some like weird drug addict i'm like no 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 no!" like we we, <laughs> we, we need to make a change <laughs> this doesn't really align with my professional trajectory here um so so i changed it i changed it to flow zone sean and flow we're still water Right. Um, I I love the water. I love kayaking, surfing, anything that has to do with water. I I enjoy it. Uh, And then zone. I just, you know, growing up, I was a high school basketball player and we played some zone defense. Coach always talks about getting into a zone. I feel like that's a very important part of of my role now and what I do on a day-to-day basis and, and how I coach and lead people. You've got to be in the zone. So kind of put those two together. You get flow zone and then Sean, that's me. I love that. Dude, that is
1: rad.
2: So getting to know you over the last few months, you're not your your early twenties, late teens, and my early twenties, late teens kind of are a little similar because you were kayaking. Semi pro. I was wakeboarding semi pro. What I haven't talked about on this until you just brought up Big Boof is my nickname back in the day was Big Worm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my
2: nickname was Big Worm. I actually my my brother in law. I knew him before I m- met my wife. So we would go out and I could throw Railies. I could throw scarecrows and and my brother in law for some reason all day. One day we were at Lake Shlend and he's like, throw the big worm. <laughs> I'm like, bro, that's, that is a front flip, toe side with a 540. I've never even done a toe side 360. He goes, throw the big worm. And ever since that day, that was probably 1995, 94, 95. He's a firefighter. The whole firefighter community knows me as big worm. In fact, I've had clients call me that are firefighters and they're like, look, dude, if you're gonna do a loan for me, I, I, I need to know your name. Cause I only know you as worm or big worm. So it's been, it's that's pretty funny. Big boo. You are now big boo to me. <laughs> that's incredible. That's that incredible. So
0: great. Big worm, big perm. I, I
2: have a real estate agent. His nickname is big perm.
0: Well, it was right around the same time, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. And that's a reference to Friday. Bo- Friday. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say boys in the hood. Nope. Friday was big perm. Friday. Thank you.
1: So, We heard about Flowzone. Um, How did you get into Zillow, Sean? So, Career-wise, you know, yeah. we know you who you are now as a business development manager for Adcom Group. Yep, but your background Zillow. What was that all about?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll rewind a, a little bit again. Coming out of out of college, I graduated from the University of Colorado. Go Buffs! Huge oh, Coach boy. Prime fan. So if you want to get into like oh, a boy. lot of haters out there right now, right, and that's okay. Uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, uh, is is one of the most incredible leaders that I, I've I've ever watched and. I didn't expect him to come into the University of Colorado and and bring the amount of leadership. I knew he was going to bring hype, but the level of leadership that this guy uh, brings to the table and and the amount of community that he's creating a, in the city and, and for the state of Colorado, it, it's been incredible. I encourage you to follow him. And it speaks to a bigger thing, in my
1: opinion, culture, because all of that positivity that sense of community and that leadership all builds this culture, which is really important to what we do too.
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I try to take some of, of what he's doing for that team and the way he brings together and his positivity um, and and just emulate that, right. And implement it for our teams too. It's really fun to watch, even though they didn't have the best finish to the season. And, um, you know, we, we watched him get stomped a couple times, but the way he, he it, it, it internalizes the losses, the way he learns from those mistakes and then re- shares that back out publicly is is something special.
2: Oh. Something I've loved to watch him this year is he's a great leader. He's a great leader. He takes the wins. He takes the losses. And it's
1: always a lesson. Yep. And it's more, to me, what he has done in Colorado, it's more about uh, building a winning football team. It's about building young men and empowering them to be good people. That, that's huge. That's it. Yeah.
0: Right. And people buy into that philosophy. Their parents buy into that philosophy. They want their, their, their children to be around that type of leader. And that's something that that's really special. And I don't think it's something that everyone has and I uh, couldn't be more grateful that he, that he's come to the to our program. Yeah, and and uh, hopefully hopefully it turns into some W's. But it, it's more important that he's he's building building culture, bringing diversity to, to Boulder, Colorado um, and, and creating good, you know, young men that will go out into society and do great things.
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally. Agree.
0: So anyway, a little sidetrack there, but yeah, Colorado graduated from the university of Colorado. I lived in Boulder for 12 years. I loved it there. Um, I cut my chops and sales at 24 hour fitness Unbelievable tra- sales training program there. Uh, I was there for a number of years, worked my way up to management. Um, and then I got into uh, the secondary finance business. And uh, I was in a role where we taught uh, people, how to broker secondary finance notes. So that was kind of like my first exposure in, into a bit of the finance world, right? Not conventional financing, but seller financing and, and, you know, how you can trade those notes, annuities. Um, and, and that was great. And I did that for several years, made a ton of money, ended up spinning out and starting a a recruiting firm. I wanted to do something on my own. And that's where I kind of cut my chops on on recruiting. Uh, And then uh, my wife, who also went to the University of Colorado, uh, Catlin Lee, she's with Windermere, Windermere Real Estate Agent, very successful up in the east side, uh, which is which is Bellevue, Kirkland, Seattle. Um, She does great. Uh, We got pregnant and her family's from this area. We, and we did, huh? yeah, we did oh, we, it's a team effort. It, yeah she didn't did. do it on her own she <laughs> she did most of the the work on her own, um but sure, yeah, it's it's her and I, it's a partnership, and uh once she got pregnant, we uh, decided to move here and and so I started looking for roles, and Zillow was, you know. Just kind of coming to life, right? Yeah, and uh, and they were hiring salespeople, and and I uh, I reached out to some some contacts and and uh, took a couple interviews and and got the offer and and came into Zillow and they you know I, I was already in a in a leadership role, right? I was running my own recruiting firm, so kind of wound that down as we were going to make this transition. It was going to be this was right on the heels of two thousand eight, right? The worst job market of like you know. 30 years. And um, I knew that it was going to be very difficult for me to continue running that business in, in, a, in a new market in a totally different market being Seattle from Boulder. Um, so wound that down, took the job with Zillow, wanted a leadership role. And Doug Slotkin, uh, who was the VP of sales at the time, I'll never forget it. He's like, I- I'll never hire anybody directly into management. You, you need to you need to get on the floor and, and do what the leaders do. And uh, and I said, OK, I'll, I'll work my way up pretty quickly and uh, gave me a role and, and they hired me and uh, it was it's, it's really interesting because at that time we we're in the Russell Investments building, downtown Seattle, second in union. And I, by chance, sat directly across from Greg Schwartz, who is the, the chief revenue officer at the time, Doug Slacken, who who is the vice president of, of sales. He led a sales team of like a thousand people. Uh, Michael Sherman, who is the director of of premier agent operations at the time, and Tony Small, who went on to be uh, the senior vice president of, of IMT or something like that. He ended up overseeing three different. Anyway, I sat directly across from for incredible leaders. And I was the most scrutinized sales rep in the history of sales. It was so hard for me to pitch looking at these guys we were just in these little you know cubicle dividers right there was no like sound barriers but they were only two feet tall and i'd stand up and pitch and i'm pitching right in greg schwartz's face and it was it was hard but the one thing that i did and and it was a blessing in disguise because they heard me and then when they would give me feedback and coaching i would implement it immediately And that was the one thing that really separated me from the other people in my row is they would get feedback from time to time and they wouldn't implement it. I would implement it on the very next call and they love that. And that was like, okay, here's a guy who sounds pretty good on the phone. He's top, you know, 15% in sales, not the best. Right. But when we give him coaching, He understands how to take that and build it into his pitch and make adjustments on the fly. And that to them, they knew they could bring me up through management and mold me and and, and kind of make me the leader that they wanted me to be. So that's that's kind of how it started.
1: That's such a good point, Uh, Ryan. You and I have kind of talked about this behind the scenes in our industry. It's so important that you're coachable. So being a good listener and then taking criticism to heart and then implementing changes as other people that are better than you um, can give you suggestions on being coachable is huge, man.
2: That's what we've done over the last six months, I think, is is, you know, we've taken our 90 day massive plans of action and implemented things. We've tried things that don't work. Fail- failures fine. You know, I, we've we've gone through one CRM. We're looking at another CRM. Yeah, we just want to make our business flow very nicely. So when the market changes, we're ready for it and. Implementation is huge
1: and we have grasped that and ran with it. Yeah. And getting pointers from you and Rich too, like you guys have poured a lot into us and we're, we're taking everything to heart because we, we want to be the best. I mean, there's no doubt about what our goals are for us personally, but and it's going to take time and we're working on it, but yeah, getting that. we big goals. Yeah. That's huge.
2: We've got big goals. Yeah. Like take down Kirkland
0: adcom <laughs> for
1: the number one spot.
0: <laughs> I hope that you do that. And that's one of the reasons I'm here today. I want, I want to get you to that point. And it's good, you know, Rich Barton, he's the founder of CEO, or sorry, founder of Zillow uh, and the CEO right now. Uh, he also founded Expedia. He spun that out of Microsoft. Uh, he founded, um, Oh, what's the one for, uh, lawyers? Avo. Um, yeah. Yeah. so some, some great companies here in, in the Seattle market that have gone on to do really well. And he talks about hags, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? And you, it's always good to have a BHAG. You want to have goals that you know you're going to achieve so you can, you can hit those and it, 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 achieve you know that success realize that success but you always need to have your bhag out there and if you hit that one too then then you know you're doing really well and i i know you guys have both you have some bhags and you have some realistic goals that that are going to build that momentum of success and then after you hit those then you can sit you know goals that are a little bit more aggressive, and you can continue to build on those. And it's awesome to see what you guys are doing, and the dedication and the work that you're putting in. And you know, tying this back to like the the coaching piece, and, and just imp- implementation of the little things. There's so much information out there. There's so much that we share. There's wow. so many coaching programs, things that you might see on you know Instagram or or TikTok or, or whatever it is in a in a in a in, a, in an article yeah. from Housing Wire but you've got to be able to implement that stuff. And the thing that you're doing differently than so many loan officers right now is you're actually investing time and energy into your business right now where you can build this foundation that is going to be a super solid foundation from which this business springboards. Other people I think they're 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 making excuses or looking for ways or just waiting for
1: the markets or, to shift or just waiting. Yeah.
0: And, and not, that's not, not the
1: time
2: to do it. Not the time to do it. No, this is the time to pull your head out of the sand. Yep. And grow build
1: or out of your booth. <laughs> it's time to pull your head out of your booth and get going. Seriously. It's booth. It's booth. Boof. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Boof>. <laughs> so getting back to your Zillow, Sean, I know what so,
2: was in your mind when you were saying boof.
1: You know, I don't know. Maybe it's my dog because she buffs all the time. (laughs) That happens. I like it. So, Sean, you're at Zillow. You're all dialed in there. What made you transition from Zillow to where you're at now? Yeah, so the big
0: transition kind of happened... For me, I was at Zillow. I was in premier agent sales, selling advertising to real estate agents, Um, and it just—it wasn't a great fit for me for whatever reason. Married to a real estate agent, mother-in-law was a real estate agent. Then I'm trying to sell real estate agents all day and uh, on the phones, and and it was hard. and luckily because i was in this seat right across from all these executives i got tapped on the shoulder and they said hey sean we're 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 going to monetize the uh rental side of, of the business and we want you to come over and and help lead that charge and i was like wow absolutely this is the opportunity i've been waiting for cool. that was about a year and in, into my time at zillow and and it's because they they knew they could they could mold me, they could coach me. Right. And I was going to do things the right way. And, um, and so I went over to the rental side and, and helped build the first uh, sales team uh, to, to sell into the rental industry. We were monetizing the, the multifamily business. So selling advertising to the big uh, apartment property managers. So Greystone, Holland, uh, Princeton Pinnacle uh, Avenue Five, right? The biggest property managers in the country. Um, and as as you know, I, I was I built a team, and you know those teams kind of evolve. And, um, and then I started f- fielding conversations from so, some of the larger single family owner operators, and uh, got a got a call from a guy named Dallas Tanner, and Dallas Tanner um, owns uh, Invitation Homes. And Invitation Homes is, is the largest owner-operator of single-family residential real estate in the country. They own 80,000 single-family homes across the U.S. Wow. And then manage all of those as long-term rentals. And he, he was like, hey, you know, we get a ton of leads, leads from you guys and we want to do more. And then this light bulb went off in my head and I was like, oh, okay. How, how what percentage of leads are, are are we responsible for and and he told me and then and then that that was kind of the you know the inflection point where it was like okay now I can make another shift and build a business on my own and and I built the uh Zillow single family rental business and it was amazing ton of fun right yeah. and you know had complete freedom to kind of do things the way I wanted to do it. Um, you know, bring in, bring in the different teams, legal marketing, um, support, you name it. And, um, and the business just continued to grow and grow year after year. Right. And, and then it kind of got to the point where it was like, okay, you know, there's a lot of money coming in here, right? You've got to, $250 million business that you've built, right? When you look at like market cap valuation, yeah, from, from scratch. That's insane. Um, Then then other people start putting their hand in the cookie jar, right? And and, and you, you get a little bit more red tape. Um, and you, you've got other decision makers, you know, telling you how to run the business that you built and that's, that's hard. That's challenging. And I, I wasn't thrilled with it. And there, there were some other things going on that, you know, I, I, I just wanted that that day one or that year one or that year two feeling back where there was zero red tape and you make all the decisions. And um, Rich Hunt, the owner of this company, you know, at the, at the same time, he was kind of, you know, going out and, and starting home trust and the adcom group. Uh, this is 2018. And, you know, I'm watching him do that as I'm starting my thing. And um, so let's
1: back up for a second. Yep, yep. How, how did you meet Rich in the first place?
0: Yeah, actually through our wives. And it, it's really interesting. I, I don't know what it was with, with Rich, but we, we met when I first moved to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, we're on the same vibe, vibe vibration, wavelength. Yeah. And Rich just kind of took me under his wing. And he was like, I know you're the new guy to town, but I'm going to include you in everything. I'm going to invite you to everything. We're having a good time. Like, I got you. You're my guy. For whatever reason that was, I don't know. Me and him should probably talk about that at some point. <laughs> um, but he did that, and he was, you know, I, I came here not knowing anybody or having any friends really, and uh, he he was he was my guy, and and uh, yeah, so we just always stayed super close, and then you know is he it, one of the top loan officers in the in the country? Yeah,
1: amazing what that guy does. Yep, like insane. <clears throat>
0: as he was starting adcom group i was you know right there next to him he's like should i do this fuck yeah you should do it like what what, what do you have to lose let's go yeah Yeah. let's go um what's the worst thing that can happen right Go back to your you know old company, and you know they're gonna let you do loans again. Um, and he, and he did. and and uh, I just I watched it grow and evolve and and started, you know actually setting up some partnerships for the company while I was still at Zillow because I had these industry connections. And then those partnerships kind of grew to the sense where it was like, okay, it, now now it makes sense for you to come over here full time to Adcom group and 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 do your thing do the same thing here that you did at zillow and that's that's what we're doing now
2: so you've been with a big monster zillow now you're with adcom group home trust financial you've you've been with these guys now for roughly six years what do you see in the industry the difference between wholesale retail banks just touch on that a little bit
0: yeah yeah so i I may i may have Confused you a little bit. I, I've been with Adcom Group for two and a half years full time now. Oh, okay. I did. I was the first loan officer to hang their license, and that was that was almost six years ago. Gotcha. Um, I, there's some major. I mean, the differences between us and 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 retail or the wholesale side of the industry and retail. It's it's night and day. Let's start with the big one. And this this is from 2020 data, uh, 2020 or 2021. You you may be able to correct me on this, but the Humda data. We know, as brokers, we save borrowers an average of $9,407 per transaction in our channel versus the retail channel. Yeah. $9,400 per transaction. That is a lot of money. That's from 2021. It's even more now. That's also nationwide the majority of our business is in the state of Washington where the average High home sales, uh, yeah, yeah, it's double, you know, so we're probably saving people closer to $20,000 per transaction and se- Seattle, Tacoma, right? These markets. And which it's is- crazy that
2: people don't understand the difference between banks, retail and wholesale. And they're really missing, a, they're missing dollars in their pocket from the client's standpoint, they're missing dollars in their pocket. Real estate agent standpoint, they're missing saving their clients dollars in their pocket.
0: They could be the hero. That's right, that's right. And what that, it, it's, it's, it's dollars in your pocket or you know, that comes back in, in, in the form of buying power, right? So you can purchase more, maybe, maybe you're right on the edge right, of qualifying income and it's like, okay, if we can get you a lower rate and keep your debt to income ratio lower, that means you can buy more house, right? You can spend a little bit more right and maybe that's the difference between you know a a two bedroom and a three bedroom or a three bedroom and a four bedroom and and you're going from your kids sharing a room to your kid gets their own room right um so that that it's not a little bit right but it but it adds up and that could be the difference in you know your family's happiness for a long time
1: or as we've seen here on a market with really really low inventory and high demand it could be the difference of winning the deal versus not winning the deal. That's another thing, you know, where we've had a couple of situations with our borrowers where they had to compete on a deal. They had to go above ask price, but they had the wiggle room because of our ability to save them extra money to do it. And they won the deal. And I feel good about that, you know, and you've had a few of those too. Oh yeah.
2: Like uh, the move that we made, well, now it's been nine months for me and a year for you, basically. I wish I have done it years and years ago. There was so many deals that I lost just due to rates. When you're a single entity like a retail lender or a bank, you only have the rates that you have. We have 50, 60 different lenders that we can choose from. Mortgage compression. Margin compression. Margin, margin yeah. compression yeah. happens at every level. We see it. You know, UWM. Sometimes their rates are a little out of whack. Well, they have margin compression. The nice thing about us is we have fifty-five other lenders that we can use that don't have that. If you're at retail, you have margin compression. Your rates are just out of whack, and that goes to the that goes to the client.
1: Yeah. And then, so to that point, uh, what, I, what we wanted to ask you about, Sean, is why would why would you, in your opinion, think that the wholesale channel is better for? loan officers. So we came from the retail model. I mean, let's face it, we we felt like we had everything pretty darn good. You know, we had all of our systems, all of our software, everything set up for us. Uh, we thought we had pretty good rates. Um, and so the, the, the yarn that was spun for us was, oh, you're going to have to pay for all that stuff separately and all this other stuff. So there was a lot of misinformation out there. But in your opinion, why do you think the wholesale channel is better for loan officers?
0: Well, I think you just said it. I don't even know if you realize that you said it, but you feel good about what you're doing and selling. And when you feel good and you have that level of confidence, you can go out there and you can sell anything. You can sell anybody. If you believe in what you're doing, that is the key to any salesperson's success. You feel good about it because you know you're getting the most competitive rates for your borrowers, right? Yep. You're, you're getting raw wholesale pricing from the largest mortgage investors in the country. And then it's backed by support. It's backed by technology. And maybe 10 or 15 years ago, that tech wasn't there. And there was an argument for for retail because they had it all in one. Now we have, and you guys you talk, i don't know if we were live when you talked about this but you're looking at your your another crm you're changing we did talk about that you're yeah. you're, you're you're adapting and you're looking at different you know d- different technologies that you can implement to streamline the system now we have an integrated pos los and crm it's all in one you can live in one system it makes things so much faster then you've got the largest investors on the planet leveraging their tech right to speed things up even more so it's fast it's efficient right the quality of service is going to get you more referrals because you can close early everybody's happy you're in a position that we, where our company doesn't have the the overhead, the corporate bloat that a lot of the the retail banks have 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 kind of baked into their model. We've taken that out so we can give more back to you as loan officers or, or branch managers,
2: and, and, and it's they, more back to the borrowers, and it goes down to the clients. Yeah,
0: and it goes back to it goes back to the clients ultimately, right? But the the idea is that we're putting you in a position to run your business in a way that is best for you, is best for your industry partners, and best for your borrowers. And that's why people thrive in this model, right? Because they have the decision-making power, they have the control to make those decisions on the fly and be super confident about what they're doing. And then the flywheel starts.
1: I like that concept of the flywheel. I mean, we've talked about that before. It's really interesting when we first um, came over, I. Like a 21 day close was just knocking it out of the park in bank retail, you know, back in the day. But here we are. Uh, I, th- I think I looked at the analytics that we got. We're averaging like 14 to 16 day close times. It's, it's insane. Like, it's just that much better.
2: It was funny when I was onboarding, I had a file that I was holding on to and I kept on talking to my, my person onboarding. And I was like, we need to get this in. We need to get this in. He's like, when's the close date? I said, it's like 16 days away. He goes, bro, we got a lot of time. What do you mean we have a lot of time? We have to get an appraisal, we have to get all this. He goes, okay, I'll start working on it. just so you have peace of mind today. And I think in three days I had the clear to close. It was absolutely crazy. Not the clear to close. We had approval in three days, appraisal came in, we had clear to close in I think five days.
1: Yeah, it was just night and day difference. That was-
2: Night and day. And
0: that happens all the time?
1: Yeah, all the time with- Yeah, all the loan officers. That's that's one other thing, too, that is really interesting. Uh, Banked retail. I always felt like it was kind of an us versus them. But as we come into this environment, I feel like there's a lot more collaboration. And like every I feel like everybody's trying to help everybody win within the culture that you and Rich have created, which is really, really fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, So we're coming into 2024, Sean. This will pretty much kind of wrap up what we wanted to talk to you about. Um, So where do you see, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation about rates out there. You know, uh, people have their like crystal balls that they're looking into to try to figure out where things are going. What do you see happening in 2024 for housing and for rates?
0: This is a loaded question. It's a loaded question. I'm not an economist. I pay attention to the market. Well, Why don't we just talk about because this this show is going
2: to air in three days. Let's talk
0: about what we talked about just this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can give you, I, let's, let's get to that. I'll give you my prediction. I okay. think it's going to continue to get better for all of us. Um, I, I, it, you know, inflation is coming down. The jobs, uh, jobs data is still supporting, um, that, you know, we're in restrictive territory or the feds in restrictive territory. Um, They don't want jobless claims to continue to increase. That's hard. I don't know. Up to this point, they haven't really mentioned the housing market that that many times in their meetings or um, but it's it's clear that at this point they're going to stop raising. And I would expect as inflation comes back down to two percent, we're we'll, we'll probably start seeing some cuts. And that's good. That's healthy. We need to get back to a healthy market. It has not been a healthy market. My advice for anyone that is out there is the inventory thing is, is a challenge. I don't know where the inventory is going to come from because as rates come down, there are going to be more buyers in the market. There is a ton of demand, pent-up demand out there. It's not showing in new applications. It's not, it's not showing in offers on homes, but we know that millennials want to buy homes. They're having major life events that are putting them in a position where they want to buy. So they want to buy, they need to buy, Where does the inventory come from? I don't know. If rates come down, more buyers enter the market, that means prices go back up, right? That's going to be a challenge moving forward.
2: I thought about this, and my thought on where we get a little bit more inventory is as rates come down, people who are tied to their interest rates that start at two or three, 63% 63% of the mortgage industry right now, the mortgage market, anybody who holds, holds a mortgage in the United States, 63% of those mortgages start with an interest rate of two or three. So as rates come down, I think if we get down into the you know, fives, I don't know if we're, will we see fours again? I don't think we'll ever see threes again. That was just an anomaly, kind of like the early 80s of the high teens. But as rates come down into the fives, I think people are going to, the people that have to move, the families growing, or even the opposite side, the baby boomers that wanna downsize, they're not gonna be tied so much to that that 3% interest rate, and they're gonna be okay with 5%. They're not okay with 8%. So I think we'll get more inventory there, but to your point of, there's gonna be a lot more buyers. For every percent that we come down off of eight, five million more buyers come into the market that can afford houses in the United States. Not in our area, obviously, but in the United States, five million, Per percentage point that comes down.
0: Yeah,
1: that's significant.
0: And, and, you know, with that, with that said, it's a great, that's a great statistic. You have to find a way to get more real estate. If you want to build wealth, Mm -hmm. you have to find a way to buy more real estate. And I'm not the only person thinking like that. Right, If you're a first time home buyer, it's challenging. You've got a window right now where you can jump into the market and not compete against 10 other offers and buy a home. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's not in Bellevue, right? Yeah. Maybe it's It's in another time. Maybe it's in another state. Maybe it's in, in another market. There are rental opportunities out there. There's other opportunities in real estate. You you need to figure out how to get a piece of that pie because it's going to continue to be more and more valuable as demand increases and as time goes on. So figure out a way. I, I think right now is a great opportunity for buyers because it's gonna get competitive again and it's gonna be harder even though rates are, yeah, we think rates are gonna get better. I, I
2: totally agree with that. Yeah you talked about building wealth i think there's the time that we're in right now you can get into a house you don't have 10 other buyers you're you're getting you're up against so you get in now you refinance in a year when rates come down maybe 2 years i'm not an economist like you said but when rates come down you refinance you stay in that house for another 12 months and then you can buy another owner occupied house for as little as 5% down rent out the old house we can use the rental income from that property to offset your debt to income ratio to buy a new house. You do that four or five times in your 20s and 30s, by the time you retire, you are gonna have real estate wealth at that point. Even if you do it four times, if you have four rentals and you did that, all you need is three to 5% down on your first one and 5% down on on every other one after that. And shoot, let's talk about 5% down Fannie Mae, two, three, and four unit properties now. That's a huge opportunity.
1: Huge, Huge, huge opportunity, yeah. Kind of wishing I would have had that in my 20s. <laughs> you know For sure. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, you know, as far as like uh, real estate agents and lenders, like Ryan and I uh, saw this post this morning about uh, ING, I think, and the Business Insider came out and said they're projecting, what, five to six rate cuts coming in 2024.
2: ING's chief economist came out and said, there are going to be six rate cuts next <sighs> year in the market. Listen. Listen. That couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, could it be true? Absolutely. Why does he hold the crystal ball? And why are people clinging on to that? Like, it's fact. It's not. The economy is a growing, organic thing that changes daily. In fact, Powell came out last Friday. This is four days ago. And basically said, we have to see what the economy does to, to dictate what, it's, what we're going to do with rates. He didn't even throw out that they might not raise again, or he threw out that they they might raise again. We know that that's probably not true. And it's just Jerome Powell saying what he says to combat everything else. But to cling on to an ING economist to predict the future of 2024 and 2025 is, I think it's a little ridiculous. Do I think
0: it's going to go that direction? Yes. Yeah. And if look, if you're a buyer and you believe what we all believe that holding real estate is a critical component for your your wealth portfolio don't try to time the market you're not smarter than the market just get in now and i i sent you a text earlier that was from my brother-in-law and it just goes to show that the market's Go for yeah, it. okay i'll read it so this was back in september um, Breaking news, Fed futures no longer show rate cuts beginning until September 2024. Well, that first one, Mm. we we know that the markets are now predicting rate cuts early next year, early next year. To put this in perspective, this is the second line. To put this in perspective, three months ago, futures were expecting four rate cuts In 2023, (laughs)
1: well, that didn't happen. I think
2: the opposite happened, actually.
0: So what, what is this telling you? It's telling you that the markets are very, very bad about predicting what the Fed is going to do now. Okay. Third line. Now, interest rates are expected to pause for at least one year. The Fed has made it clear higher for longer is here to stay. That could be the case, even though we think they probably overdid it. Um, they would rather send us into a recession than risk inflation spiking again. The, the markets are, are really bad at predicting what the Fed is going to do with with the rate. And it's all about the data that comes in. Right. And we don't know what that data is until we get it. It changes daily.
2: Like the, the things that they that the economist Jerome Powell goes off of are things that change daily and weekly, not a prediction over a 12 month
1: period.
0: Yeah. yeah. The one thing we do know is that mortgage rates have been better for the last five weeks.
1: Yeah, they have. It's an
2: amazing run. We've we've come down at least one percent off of we were quoting close to eight and I quoted somebody the other day under seven. Amazing run.
0: Got to feel good about that.
2: I feel great about that. Not only that, we just two days ago, the 200 day moving average in the bond market mortgage backed securities we got above the 200-day moving average for the first time in over two years. That That is always an historic number to get past. It's really hard to get past. When we're coming down, it's hard to break through and rates going higher. When rates are getting better, it's hard to break through and we broke through. Usually it takes two or three days to actually solidify that and we've done that right now.
1: Yep, we've done it. Well, I don't know that we have anything else to discuss about 2024, but what I would like to do and kind of wrapping up this episode with you, Sean, is just recapping for our audience, whether you're a a potential home buyer or person looking to refinance down the road, or if you're a loan officer looking to transition, you know, the broker channel offers uh, a different opportunity than other, other platforms. And I think with the broker channel, as you alluded to, it gives people an opportunity to, for loan officers to control their own business and have better pricing and you know basically just like you said when you're in that mindset of knowing that you've got the best product out there and you believe in it it's a lot easier to sell. So if you're a loan officer out there looking for a change, please hit up Sean. We'll drop his name in the comments down below. And do you have anything to add, Ryan?
2: No, this is a really good episode. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming yeah. on and thank you and Sean. Sharing your
0: insights. Hey they can they can just hit you up
1: yeah hit us up
0: this is let's let's build yeah right
1: yep we're building
0: yeah. this is your this is your baby let's
2: go
1: let's it's go it's december
2: 6th today our plan is to have our own office by january 1st so we're three weeks away yep we've been putting in the time in the grind like llc's being worked on you can contact us yeah contact us you want to build your business we're here to help you build your business.
0: One one more question. So I listened to the episode where you vocalized your uh, or major commitments to waking up at, at 5 a.m. Are we still doing that?
2: 5 a.m. is tough. <laughs> <laughs> I did 430 today. Okay.
0: So, so if so you look, woke up at 530, Ryan, then you're. I will tell you my stats for last
2: week. I woke up three days at 5 a.m. OK, and I woke up two days at six. And the other days were probably close to eight
1: okay yeah uh, i'm probably somewhere in that same boat but today i did get up at 4 30 and i've got uh my 5 a.m plan for the rest of the week
0: have you vocalized or shared with the audience what your goals are for 2024 we have or not do you want to not yet not yet okay yeah. you still have you still have 20 25 more days we we do okay.
2: We have a couple more okay. a couple more episodes before before the end of the year. That's a really great
1: idea, though. You just gave us an idea for our very first podcast of 2024.
2: Yeah, goals. One of our goals was absolute to have our own branch, and we are our our goal is January first, and that looks like it's coming to fruition. So we're really excited about that. Yes. Uh, another one of our goals was to have a loan officer. We already have a loan officer underneath us to start our new branch. Uh, a few of our goals is to get more loan officers. We don't have a number specifically, but we want people who are hungry to grow this business and hungry to work on their business and dive in. It's gonna make them better. It's gonna make their referral partners better. Let's, let's.
1: it's time to grow. Yes, 100%. I love it. Well, next week, we're going to be actually getting Ryan Tillis on the show, right? Real Estate oh. Source TV.
2: We did announce this before. Ryan yeah. Ryan is a very busy guy, and he's hard to nail down. So that is my goal over the next couple of days, to nail him down. And our plan is to have Ryan Hills in here.
1: That, that'll be rad. So please check us out on, you know, Apple, Spotify, our YouTube channel. We've got a Facebook page. And just please tune in. Uh, Hit the like button if you catch us on one of those things on on those platforms. We're just trying to grow our audience and try to get greater content out there for you guys. And again, Sean, thanks for coming out, buddy. Thank you for having me. It It was
0: fun. I love it here. That was cute. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Ryan, what is it? It's another great day. Let's go. Let's go.